0: Hey everybody, welcome in to the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. Today's episode of Locked on Orioles is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Well, it is finally opening day for the Orioles tonight, 7.30 Eastern Time, you can watch it on Masson. Orioles at Red Sox at Fenway Park to open up the 2020 season for the O's. We had two games last night to open the MLB season. And, of course, uh, one of them gets uh, called by rain and and called a final after five innings. That was the first game of the night as the Yankees beat the Nationals 4-1. Storm came in. They waited about two hours and finally just called it in the top of the 6th. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton with a huge home run for the Yankees was the difference in the first inning off of Max Scherzer. And then last night, the Dodgers with a five-run seventh inning, they beat the Giants 8-1 to in the West Coast game. And then everybody else plays their first game today here on a Friday game. Start at four with the Braves and the Mets, and then most games at seven or later tonight. Now, one thing about that you felt like Major League Baseball, especially since this is kind of its all-encompassing opening day, would go with some day games, but there's just a the one-day game, and it's a four o'clock start, not even a one o'clock start. Um, I think missing out on some daytime viewers here is a lot of people are still at home as this country still reeling, and a lot of people still in quarantine because of COVID-19, but just a missed opportunity there, it seems, from Major League Baseball. Of course, the other MLB news coming out from last night, it was reported before first pitch, and we talked about it on yesterday's episode about the potential expanded playoffs. It was reported before first pitch, uh, but it wasn't official until about three or four innings into that Nats-Yankees game. Uh, Major League Baseball in 2020 will expand the playoffs, at least just for this year. Nothing beyond it is set in stone yet, but they will go from 10 to 16 teams in the playoffs in 2020 meaning eight teams from each league will make the postseason. It will be all three division winners from each league. They will be the top three seeds. All three second-place teams in the divisions from each league, they will be seeded four through six. And then the next two best records from any division will be seeds seven and eight. There will be a three-game series in that first round, uh, and the better seed will host all three games. And then it will go to the best of five in the next round, and then the best of seven in the AL and NLCS, and of course, best of seven in the World Series. But I think the expanded playoffs for this year, a pretty good idea for baseball. Um, you get 16 teams instead of 10. That's more than half the league. But when you think about a 60-game season, it's already you know a lot harder to uh, get knocked out early just because there's so few games Uh, Which means more teams are in it for a bigger percentage of the season. But then when you expand the playoffs from 10 to 16 teams, um, and there's no wild card game, which means nobody is going to make the playoffs and be eliminated after one game. It's going to take at least two losses to get knocked out of the playoffs this year with those initial best of three series. Um, I think it's a good idea for baseball because if you're looking at 16 teams out of 30 in just a 60 game season, You're going to have 25, potentially, teams that are still in it, uh, maybe 40 to 50 games into the season, which means everybody's going to be playing for the playoffs, uh, or at least almost everybody, by the end of the year, which I think makes for more meaningful baseball for 60 games and makes it a lot better for the league and, and viewership in general. So I think a good call there for 2020. But that's the MLB News of the day the Orioles news of course is they will start the season tonight Tommy Malone takes the mound for the Orioles for his first career opening day start remember John Means scratched from that start with arm fatigue he starts the season on the injured list the plan is to start him next Thursday at Camden Yards uh, July 30th against the Marlins that's when he's eligible to come off the 10-day injured list so Malone starts against Nathan Eovaldi of the Red Sox Now, for the Orioles, remember yesterday we gave you their 30-man opening day roster. Broke it down on yesterday's episode if you want to go back and check that out. Uh, But one more thing of news today, Uh, the Orioles did name their taxi squad. So each team gets those 30-man rosters, and then they get three guys they can put on a taxi squad who are pretty much readily available uh, to be added to the roster at any time. For the Orioles, they went with a third catcher on the taxi squad. It's Brian Holiday, the veteran who uh, was signed to a minor league deal in camp this year and impressed defensively. So he'll be the number three catcher, not on the roster, but he's on the taxi squad. Dilson Herrera is on that taxi squad. It, it really felt like he was the final cut from the 30-man roster. Uh, an impressive spring, impressive summer camp, can play all around the diamond. Uh, good power with the bat, just 26 years old. Uh, but Herrera will be on that taxi squad as well. And then the one pitcher they go with, interestingly enough, it is Tom Eshelman who we thought also might have been one of the final cuts from the 30-man roster. Eshelman will be the one pitcher on the taxi squad. The right-hander, of course, filled in uh, in the Orioles' first exhibition game against the Phillies and was really impressive over four-plus innings, uh, filling in for John Means that night. We thought he was a candidate to start opening day because of that, uh, but he didn't make the roster, and the nod was given to Tommy Malone. However, if we do see a pitcher injury here in the next couple of weeks, expect Eshelman to be the guy who takes the spot on the 30-man roster. But right now, those three guys will not be active tonight at Fenway Park, which means the Orioles will have to pick from 14 hitters and 16 pitchers that they have on that 30-man roster to use against the Red Sox tonight in Game 1 of the season. If you're thinking about a potential lineup for the Orioles, I feel like it'll most likely look pretty similar uh, to what the lineup looked like against the Nationals this week a couple different times. Now, I know they did face uh, Patrick Corbin, the left-hander, but I think if you look back at the lineup against Steven Strasburg, I think that's what we might be looking at for the Orioles. So they let it off with, with DJ Stewart in that game against Steven Strasburg, but I feel like Austin Hayes is probably the leadoff guy for the O's. I think the lineup, at least my prediction, looks like this. Hayes in center to lead it off. Then you've got Hanser Alberto playing second base, hitting second. Santander hitting third and playing right field. Renato Nunez hitting fourth and DHing. Then I would think they get another lefty in there. So I'm thinking Rio Ruiz hits fifth and plays third base. Then you'll probably see Jose Iglesias hitting sixth and playing shortstop. Expect Chris Davis in the seven-hole. Uh, playing first base for the Orioles, then I would say probably Pedro Severino, um, bats eighth and catches, but but you could also see Chance Cisco because they're against the righty, kind of split on that one. And the final spot in left field, the real question is, you know, do they start DJ Stewart or uh, is Dwight Smith, who is active, uh, available to play? And you have to think if he's active, Dwight Smith might be in there. Maybe they hit him at the bottom of the lineup, so I'm thinking Dwight Smith Jr., in left field, batting ninth, Then, of course Tommy Malone on the mound. But just a rough, uh, rough sketch of what the lineup might look like, and we will await Brandon Hyde's lineup today before the 7.30. First pitch between the Orioles and the Red Sox. And of course we wanted to preview this three-game set this weekend in Boston and bring on somebody who knows a lot more about the Boston Red Sox, what we can expect from this team who does look a little different, or you could say a lot different, Uh, than they did the last two seasons. Of course, just two years removed from winning that World Series in 2018. So joining us here on the podcast, Gabrielle Starr. She is the host of Locked On Red Sox here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Gabrielle will join us to talk about the uh, pitching matchups this weekend, what to look for from the Red Sox, not just early, but, but in all of 2020, and what their outlook is for the year and for this series against the Orioles. So we'll take a quick break, uh, and then when we come back, Gabrielle Starr from Locked on Red Sox. we got to talk about rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes, models, it's now impossible to, to find that right part for your car. It feels like you just go through pointless and intimidating questioning when you head to a chain storefront asking about what your car needs, and, and maybe you don't exactly know, and, and that can make things even tougher. Well, you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. It saves you money and it's easy to use. Rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. I'm not the biggest car guy in the world, but... At least when looking for something like windshield wipers. They're a little easier to to know when you might need new ones. Just put them in for, for your car, Honda CRV, and boom, there you go. You can find all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Gabrielle, first of all, thank you so much for joining us here on opening day.
1: Of course, Connor. Happy opening day to you too, as we will be facing each other in about nine hours.
0: It's uh it's exciting to know that that baseball is here and and somehow they made it uh to this opening day and somehow they somewhat successfully got two baseball games in last night. Uh but but we're here to talk about uh the three games this weekend between the Orioles and the Red Sox uh and, and especially tonight on opening day Tommy Malone versus Nathan Ivaldi. Um hearing a lot of things that that this is uh one of the worst opening day pitcher matchups um that people have seen. Most of that has to do with Tommy Malone. Um, but but how did the Red Sox get to the point, not that Iavoldi is a bad pitcher by any stretch, but how did they get to the point over the last six months that that Nathan Iavoldi is their 2020 opening day starter?
1: Honestly, I mean I think it goes back to the winter of twenty eighteen. You know, Mookie Betts declined the first offer that Dave Dombrowski, you know, his first extension offer. And because of that, and because they were kind of in the hazy afterglow of the world series, Dombrowski got bold, which he typically does and offered Chris Sale and Nathan Ivaldi, massive contract extensions, knowing full well that Chris Sale probably wasn't fully healthy. And Nathan Ivaldi has a really checkered history when it comes to, injury and surgical procedures I mean he's already had two Tommy Johns in his career including one when he was I think in high school so you fast forward to last year's opening day and right off the bat literally none of the starting pitchers are doing well and the starting pitching you can say what you want about the Red Sox offense in 2018 they were incredible but the real the real thing that like caused them to get a chance that led them to a championship in 2018 was having an incredible starting rotation of pitchers who were so talented that we barely needed a bullpen at all, which is why last year we had a terrible bullpen because Dave Dombrowski just didn't think we needed one. And the offense was incredible. Yes, but they were backed up by having an absolutely unhittable starting rotation. And when that fell apart, Basically, at the beginning of last year, I mean, there's only so many home runs you can hit if your team is giving up equal, if not more, home runs. So, And then Chris Sale went back on the injured list in July, actually right around this time of the year. And um, it was really... And Nathan Evaldi had gone on the injured list in April and required surgery, and he came back, and he was still throwing hard but his command was just all over the place and between that and the juiced balls it just was not great and then this offseason rick porcello became a free agent they traded david price which if you decide that you're going to trade david price you need to say you need to keep rick porcello especially because even though he was statistically the worst pitcher in baseball last year he had the highest era of any starting pitcher in all of mlb Rick Porcello is always healthy. And when the other two, and when two of the other pitchers in your rotation are Chris Sale and Nathan Navaldi, who spent most of last season not pitching and were being evaluated for months, you need more than Eduardo Rodriguez, who is absolutely incredible. But you you, you can't just pin everything on Eduardo Rodriguez. You already did that last year and it didn't work. So they signed a couple guys this offseason Colin McHugh, who's already opted out. And that was a questionable signing because he hadn't even started a throwing program for his own elbow problems when they got him. They got Martin Perez, who is a veteran, so at least he has over a decade of MLB starting pitching experience, but that doesn't mean that he's good. It just means he was available. And they let Porcello go. They traded Price. Sale threw a little bit at the beginning of spring training, And you already knew that it was scary because he was wearing that really high-tech sleeve that helps doctors, like, prevent Tommy John. And you're like, well, that's not a good sign if they think he needs to wear this very expensive piece of technology. And then they announced after, right around the time that the pandemic hit and baseball was canceled, they were like, well, so Chris Sale is having the Tommy John he probably needed last summer. And between that and the fact that There haven't been that many options for a team that has declared that they don't want to spend. And then Eduardo Rodriguez was supposed to be the opening day starter. He earned that last year. He had an incredible season. He had the highest run support average of any starting pitcher, which obviously doesn't say anything about him and his ability, but you know, it's fortunate because Chris Sale has one of the lowest, He never gets any run support and you need, I mean, you need runs. But then Eduardo Rodriguez got coronavirus and he was like actually sick. He wasn't asymptomatic and he threw two bullpens this week. They were really hopeful, but he's still experiencing coronavirus after effects. So now he's been pushed back even further. We'll be lucky if we see him in August. So Nathan Evaldi is like the only natural choice Um, and – you know, I, I love Nathan Ivaldi. I think he's a great pitcher. He works his ass off. I was at game three of the 2018 world series when he came in and pitched over, he threw almost a hundred pitches. He threw more than the actual starting pitcher that night who had been Rick Porcello. And that was his third game in a row appearing. He's a total workhorse. It's just a matter of the fact that he has terrible luck with injuries. And honestly, All I hope for this season is that we have a 500 record. (laughs) But God forbid something happens to Nathan Evaldi. I mean, they're just absolutely screwed. They're you guys in 2018.
0: Yeah, uh, it's almost like, you know, as you were listing out the the names there, it's like an entire rotation of pitchers gone between sale injured, price traded, Porcello gone, Eduardo Rodriguez with COVID and, and McHugh opting out. There's five guys right there. Um, so they go with Avaldi. You mentioned Martin Perez. Um, he's been a pretty good middle of the rotation guy for his career. He'll go in game two. Um, and then it, it kind of gets barren be, after that because of the opting out and Rodriguez with COVID uh, Ryan Weber is set to start uh, game three on Sunday against the Orioles. Uh, just, just quickly, you know, what, where do the Red Sox go even beyond that in, in games four and five and, And how much of an issue will will that be for this Red Sox team this season?
1: So they have added a few new guys um, because you can't really talk quality over quantity until you actually have quantity. And they just straight up did not have enough pitchers. Um, And what we saw last year when a bunch of the mainstays in the rotation sale ivaldi were out was the Red Sox didn't want to spend any money because they were already way over the threshold and i mean basically this entire year has been getting under the luxury tax threshold um and so they they acquired zach godley last week who was released by the tigers he has a lot of potential he's somebody that i mean at the outset like you kind of hear he was released by the tigers and you're like oh my god this guy's so bad that even the detroit tigers don't want him but it's actually it was actually they were doing it so that he would have a chance to actually get paid by like a team. Um, there were some issues there, I think, in terms of um, just like the deal that he had and wanting, and I think it was like a, a minor league deal. So they wanted him to kind of have the opportunity to, you, you know, really make it somewhere else. He was actually probably going to be on their opening day roster ultimately, but it was it was more of like a, a fairness thing to him. So I think Godley will probably go after Weber. and. They also got Dylan Covey from the Tampa Bay Rays, who has like literally never been good, except apparently in I think there was one game against the Red Sox when he was really good, Um, but that obviously doesn't do us any good now because he's on the Red Sox. He has had ERAs over seven, over five, and over seven in each of his first three years with the White Sox. Um, You kind of are just wondering what, if it's, chai Bloom actually seeing something in him that any that nobody else is seeing or if it's that there just aren't any options um and they just need people they need warm bodies but beyond that they got matt hall this winter matt hall is someone who i think can be really effective for the team he's got the ability to either be a long reliever or a starter and he's he's pitched well for them during these summer camp games and interest squad so that's something that could be interesting. And I think they're going to do some opener stuff. Uh, but honestly, it's really anyone's guess. I mean, there is unfortunately not a lot to be optimistic about with the Red Sox from a pitching side this year. Like, it's it's just kind of one of these things where we have to grit our teeth and rip the Band-Aid off that is this 60-game season. And then, you know, get our asses in gear after the season's over. and. Now that they're under the luxury tax threshold, Heimblum can kind of make some big sweeping changes. And I just hope that he does because I am so sick of uh, watching the same bad relievers come into the game and give up home runs and be like, why are these people still here? Like, I, I don't, it, it is so unbelievably frustrating to just feel like, yes, in certain ways they are handcuffed to their decisions, but in other ways, like, you're also just making the same mistakes over and over and over again. If that yeah, makes like sense, it's
0: like that that big group of pitchers who the Red Sox kept kind of shuttling back and forth from AAA in Boston last year. Um, and and you even look beyond those those couple more guys you talked about with Godley and Hall and then Dylan Covey and you know really behind that as far as guys who could start, you know, it's maybe like Josh Taylor or Mike Schwan, but neither of those guys are even on the the opening day roster. So I think you made a good point. This is a team that is kind of a prime candidate um, to use the opener this season. But uh, last thing for you, Gabrielle, um, I know the starting rotation looks completely different from last year, uh, but the lineup, besides, of course, the gaping hole that is no Mookie Betts around what would have been Mookie Betts looks pretty similar um, to last season. The only hole, of course, is in right field, and they made two additions, Alex Verdugo, in that Mookie Betts trade. Um, and then, of course, Kevin Pillar um, is in Boston as well. So, you know, what's your guess on between those two guys? Because every other position is pretty much set. Who do you think plays more uh, right field this season?
1: Um, I, I think there are a couple factors. One of them is going to be from the offensive side because, yes, I mean, the Red Sox still have an incredible offense like Xander, Devers, JD, Benintendi when he's when he's you know hot and christian vasquez who surprised everyone last year with his amazing home run power and jackie bradley jr when he hits like heats up and um michael chavis when he figures out how to lower his strikeout count i mean he hit some of the furthest home runs in baseball last year with pilar and verdugo i think it'll come down to a mixture of you know, obviously who's performing better out there. We've seen Pilar has, the has more experience um, even though he played a lot of center field. but he's, I mean, being a, being a former Blue Jay, he has spent a lot of time manning the outfield at Fenway park and he looked really, really good doing it the other night. He ran down a ball in a very Mookie-esque fashion, you know, slamming himself into the wall and, you know, if he can kind of work on his patience at the plate. I think he'll have more of a chance. I actually was on a charity—I was on a charity Zoom call with him for Team Israel Baseball um, about a month ago, and he told me that they've actually had him been like working on drawing a walk in hopes that maybe he can be sometimes a leadoff man because Ben Benintendi is statistically the worst first inning leadoff man in over two decades of Red Sox baseball. He did not even crack batting a hundred in the first innings in the leadoff spot. So they can't have that this year. I mean, they already have so little working against them. They need somebody at the top who can either get a hit or like bare minimum, just draw a walk. And so Pilar has been working on that. And with Verdugo, I think it'll be a matter of his health because he came to the Sox when he was experiencing some health issues. He says he's feeling good right now, but they're obviously going to have to be careful with him because you don't want to overstress a young guy and then have it impact his career in the long run. And I think it'll be kind of more just seeing how his bat performs because I think that wanting to make up the difference or at least try to minimize the absence of Mookie in the offense will be more of a factor than the outfield, I mean, because they're both pretty solid outfielders. You can, you'll can. you also probably see, unfortunately, J.D. Martinez playing some outfield this season. Um, he is not very good at it, but he likes to do it. Um, I hope it doesn't happen, but I'm assuming it will at some point, especially if Benintendi is struggling. Um, they'll kind of shift people around, maybe have Pilar play center field a little bit. J.D. can play left. Jackie can play right. Um, you know, I they're going to do a bunch of weird stuff this season. I just hope that the weird stuff that they do this season is not the same as the weird stuff that they did last season that they already know doesn't work.
0: Well, that's a that's a good way to look at it. And and between Verdugo and Pilar, you know, it's still two pretty good options. And and I think the big thing with uh, the Red Sox this year can they hit enough to to cover up what that pitching situation. Um, Is going to be, and it'll be interesting to see it in 2020. But Gabrielle, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure we'll have you back on the pod at some point uh, this season, as long as we do get to continue this baseball season. Um, But until then, enjoy opening day and hope you're staying safe.
1: Thanks, Connor.
0: So, again, our thanks to Gabrielle Starr, host of Locked On Red Sox here on the Locked On Podcast Network for joining us to preview this three-game set between the Orioles and the Red Sox to open up the 2020 season. And remember, the O's and the Sox will uh, play 10 times this year, so I'm sure we'll have Gabrielle back on the pod if we do get a full season here this year. But, of course, still a lot of questions uh, to be answered with that, including what happened yesterday about four hours before the first pitch of the Yankees and the Nats with Juan Soto being announced that he had tested positive for COVID-19. He was not in the lineup last night, but they did still play the game. Um, It just uh, opened up a lot more questions about the COVID-19 protocols in Major League Baseball. But for now, the two games got played last night, and tonight the season starts for everybody else. Opening day for the Orioles, and those three games between the Orioles and the Red Sox this weekend, it starts tonight, 7.30 Eastern time. Tonight, Tommy Malone versus Nathan Eovaldi, Orioles and Red Sox in Game 1. Games 2 and 3 are both day games. Tomorrow, Saturday, July 25th, Game 2, Alex Cobb against Martin Perez. That is a 1.35 Eastern time start. And then again on Sunday, July 26th, another 1.35 Eastern time start. Wade LeBlanc goes for the Orioles and Ryan Weber goes for the Red Sox in the series finale. And then the O's will travel to Miami for a couple games before finally returning home. But we will talk about those four games against the Marlins when we're back with you for our next episode on Monday. But until then, enjoy Orioles baseball this weekend. Three live games that really count. Tommy Malone, Alex Cobb, and Wade LeBlanc on the hill. Along with the rest of this Orioles squad trying to start the season with a victory or two up at Fenway Park against the Boston Red Sox when we're back with you the Orioles will have a record this year maybe they'll be in first place who knows but until then this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast part of the Locked On podcast network and we'll take you out with a message from CBD MD doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete stay-at-home parent or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair everyone needs support to make it through the day Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like arnica, and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else, CBDMD has to offer. They're offering our listeners 25% off your next order when you use promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKEDONMLB. For 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBD MD.